Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast. It's Steve live from the MOI headquarters in Mannheim, PA. I am so excited for today's interview with Pastor Ted Winsley. Episode 33 is brought to you by Dishworks, creating original food and drink content for top brands and agencies. Go to dish-works.com for more info. I would love to introduce our special guest today, Pastor Ted Winsley. Pastor Ted and his wife Dawn lead the family church located in Voorhees, New Jersey. He lives to disciple and mentor others as he loves to be used by God. In addition to serving the family church, Pastor Ted has been the chaplain for the Philadelphia Eagles since 2001. He has been married to his college sweetheart Dawn since 1993 and is the proud father of two. Pastor Ted and his wife currently reside in South Jersey. Pastor Ted, welcome to the show. What's happening, everybody? What's going on, man? Not much. Man. Uh, a lot of a lot of everything. A lot of everything. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit more about Pastor Ted Winsley. Sure. Uh man. Uh Pastor Ted Winsley, I'm I'm the baby of five. Uh was raised in Dover, Delaware. Um at an early age, at the age of seventeen. Um, I actually experienced my call. Um I uh I heard God's voice. It's a longer story, but um and uh, and found out that uh, that God had called me to be a pastor um, at 17 years of age. Um, it's a little bit more in depth story, but I, I'll just tell you that it scared the devil out of me. And uh, and at the age of 17, um, I, I told my mother that I, I heard God's voice, and I don't know what that means, but uh, he told me that I was a pastor. Um, my parents, uh, my father's 93 years old. My mother is 83 uh, this year. She's a school teacher. He's a retired uh, war, uh, World War II veteran. Wow. Um, and, um, and when I told her, she actually went and said, well, let's interview some pastors. So in Dover, Delaware, we interviewed three pastors. At the end of the interview, I was thoroughly upset um, because I found out that uh, pastors don't make any money. <laughs> Uh, and that pastoring is not a job, it's a lifestyle. Who in the world wants to do that? Who mm-hmm. wants to go to school for a long period of time only to live in a parsonage where there are roaches? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I felt like it was a practical joke by God, and I told him, you didn't call me to be a pastor. You watch and see what I do with my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from the age of 17 to 22, I ran. Um, I went to college on an academic scholarship, which was only the grace of God. Um, after I fractured my vertebra in high school, um, I had aspirations like everybody does uh, to play football. I ran a four. Uh, I ran a four four. It was a four four three forty, um, which was pretty fast. And I thought I was going to the league. I fractured my vertebra. Um, Fractured my vertebra, and that was the end wow. <laughs> of football as I knew it. Uh, and then, uh, then I actually went to college on an academic scholarship and uh, tried to do everything that someone who wasn't called to be a pastor would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of those 22 years, uh, by the time from 17 to 22, I finally gave up and said, God, I just make the pain stop. And uh, I accepted the call of my life and uh, started in uh, started uh, actually getting involved in ministry 
I also worked in corporate America uh, up until the age of 30. I worked uh, for FUBU wow. uh, as a national sales manager, traveled all over the country, um, made six figures, uh, only to realize that it didn't give me peace mm-hmm. and, um, and actually answered the call by my pastor, Pastor Lamont McLean, to come work full time at the age of 30. Uh, where uh, around that same time, it was a, a large church where uh, I was over media, multimedia, broadcast. Uh, Troy Vincent, uh, who is now the um, number two guy uh, in the NFL. Uh, Roger Goodell is the president of uh, football operations, and Troy Vincent is now the vice president. Mm-hmm. Troy Vincent saw my pastor. Uh, he was a, he was a, a safety, uh, corner safety at the time for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And um, my pastor asked my pastor to come and do Bible studies. Uh, that was the first year that I came on as as his assistant, uh, carried the Bibles, uh, let him make fun of me, set up the <laughs> microphone. And after about a year and a half, uh, pastor said, nah, I'm not supposed to be doing this. You are. And uh, 18 years later, uh, I'm still the chaplain for the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had to you had to go through your rookie hazing like any other. I I did just like player. everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, like I said, it's an honor to have you on the show. We're we're pumped yeah. for this interview, man. All right. Well, we're gonna hit you with some some light questions. We call it take right. five. Before we get started, you ready? Cool. Warm me up. Let's go. All right. Take five. Question number one. Give us one of your favorite childhood Favorite childhood moments. Oh my gosh. Uh, favorite child. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know if it was favorite childhood moments. Okay. So uh, I'm the baby of five. Um, so I have an older brother who's uh, 16 years older than me, another brother who's 15 years older than me. Then I have twin sisters who are six years older than me. So I guess Mm -hmm. my favorite childhood moment was, uh, because my hand-me-downs came from twins. Uh, um, uh, I remember we were playing with our bikes and I crashed mine and everybody laughed at me. Cause I didn't have a bike anymore, and I went home, and I came back with another one because because I, <laughs> I had I had double of everything. Oh, that's amazing! You get two of everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, question number two for take five. What is one of your favorite moments as Eagles chaplain? Super Bowl, baby. It's gotta be. Heck yeah, I'm a... I, I I didn't know that we uh, were gonna be on. Uh, video because I'd have brought my Super Bowl oh, ring. Man, uh, because uh, I I got blessed uh, to to receive the same ring that the players received. Mm, that's incredible. So, so yeah, my my greatest moment was after 17 years of serving. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I was at the Super Bowl in 2015 when we lost. Mm-hmm. So I remember the red, white, and blue confetti sticking on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a it was a great redeeming moment to be there in Minnesota when, when the, the clock struck zero and, uh, and we won. So, well, well, I'm a lifelong Eagles fan, man. So I thank you for the part you played in that team as well. My honor. (laughs) Awesome. Question number three is what is the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, the greatest piece of advice I've ever been given, um, is that in ministry, sometimes it's better to be late than early. Um, it, it's better to be more prepared and late mm-hmm. than to be underprepared and early. Mm. Um, oftentimes, I wanted stuff now. I wanted it to happen now. Even I was called in ministry at 17, but didn't pastor until 45. 
Um, and I often, you know, was wanted it right now, but didn't realize that sometimes if you show up early and you're not prepared, it's the worst thing. It's better to be in your estimation late, but fully prepared. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. All right. Question number four t- for take five is what is the best book you've read in the past year? Hmm. Uh, best book I read in the past year. Um, I would have, I read a lot. I would have to say the best book. Okay. Uh, for men, best book I read in the past year, I've read this over and over again. Um, but it's called the game plan Hmm. by Joe Dallas. Don't know if you ever heard of that. I haven't. Uh, and, and game plan by Joe Dallas. And it talks about, um, sexual purity for men, Hmm. how to overcome the battle that every man has to win. Mm. So it's called The Game Plan. It's a powerful book. Awesome. I'll have to check that mm-hmm. out. All mm-hmm. right. Final question for Take 5 is, what is you and Dawn's go-to date night spot? Woo! Um, <laughs> go-to date night spot is Carabas. All right. My, my wife loves Italian. <laughs> Love it. It's a good spot. Pasta Wheezy. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, that was it for Take 5, man. You did awesome. you did well, Pastor Ted. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Well, we kind of already touched on your on your faith journey, how you came to know the Lord, and just your powerful testimony. But just tell us more about the family church, kind of how you and Dawn got involved, and what you guys are up to now. Yeah, so so I share with you that that my uh, spiritual father, his name was uh, Pastor Lamont McLean. He's again the man that brought me even into being the chaplain for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, I served at Living Faith Christian Center for 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on staff for 17. Um, and he died now. It's probably about 12 years ago. Um, so uh, after serving him for, what's the math, uh, 21, to, uh, I don't know, uh, after serving him for a long time, <laughs> after serving him for a long time, he passed away. I actually stayed um, with his wife for about 11 years to just help her and the church. And then God uh, gave us the call and said it was time for us to start our own church. Um, like I said, I'll be 48 this year. So at 45, uh, 2016, um, on nine 11, we started the family church in a Jewish synagogue at wow. one o'clock. Wow. Um, and, um, it's been an amazing journey. We were mobile for two years. Hmm. We were in a Jewish synagogue. We were in a, a middle school in Camden. We were, uh, at Eastern regional high school in, uh, in Voorhees. Um, and then we finally set, finally settled here where we are now, um, which it's called the Coliseum in Voorhees, New Jersey. Okay. It's a sports complex, go mm-hmm. figure. And, um, we leased the, the center area, 20,000 square feet at a, uh, in a, a catering hall. We renovated it, um, in February of 2018. Uh, we had our first service and in January, the Lord told us that if we would trust him, he could do in one year what it would take us 10 years to accomplish without him. And um, so February of 2018, we moved into this, this lease space of 20,000 square feet. Um, December of 2018, still within that one year, we, we closed on the entire building, on, on the 110,000 square foot wow. sports complex uh, on 11 acres. Um, so we actually took over the mortgage. And we now own for the same price that we used to lease. Wow, that's phenomenal. Yeah. that's phenomenal. So on 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 Resurrection Sunday, uh, um, with not even three years old, uh, we saw uh, I think it was sixty eight people gave their life to Christ, and one thousand and six people came to service hmm. on that day. That's phenomenal. So God's doing some amazing things. That's incredible. I'd love to hear some of those stories about what God's doing. I know you guys are absolutely big in the community and. And yes, but just love to hear some of those God stories. Yes, sir. 
Oh, you want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Let me hear it. Let me hear it. What do you yeah, got? Yeah, <laughs> so, so, so I am also, not only am I the chaplain for the Philadelphia Eagles, um, I'm the chaplain for the Cherry Hill Police Department. Hmm. Um, I've been the chaplain here in, in the Cherry Hill community for three years. Wow. Um, the Voorhees, Voorhees, which is where our church is now, um, has never had a chaplain program. Um, so not only am I the chaplain for uh, Cherry Hill, I'm also the trainer of a chaplain program um, that certifies chaplains for the country, not only just the state of New Jersey. So this year we just uh, started a chaplain program uh, in Voorhees as well. So I'm the chaplain for Cherry Hill. I'm the chaplain for Voorhees. Um, because I'm a trainer in my church, we have a ministry where we now train chaplains. Wow. So we have about, I would say, nine people who are chaplains um, in about seven different townships um, in New Jersey. So that's also one way that we do outreach by connecting mm. with the police officers and connecting with the, the, the municipalities and the townships and doing outreach. Uh, we have a food program. We have a mentoring program. Uh, yeah. So, so basically you're saying you, you, you're not busy at all. You just have all the free time. No, I just sit around, you know, <laughs> just with my thumbs. Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah. Well, we know kind of your your story about getting connected with the Eagles. You know, Troy Vincent kind of kind of brought you in there. What yes. Do, what does your role as team chaplain, what does that look like? Yeah, so chaplain is I'm, all, I'm basically like the, the team pastor. Um, as you know, uh, those guys live uh, sheltered and uh, controlled lives, mm-hmm. so – of course, they, they play on Sunday, um, so my job is really to kind of uh, give them uh, spirituality um, while they're here. Um, so on Mondays during, so during the season on Mondays, uh, we've traditionally have a couple study where my wife and I mm-hmm. uh, get together with the couples. We, we average almost like maybe 21 couples at wow. one of the players' house. Wow. That's Monday. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I, I can be seen at the facility as early as six o'clock in the morning, um, meeting with on one on ones with the players. Um, on Thursdays, we do a, a player study uh, at the facility at around five thirty p.m. Uh, and then on Saturday, there is a chapel for uh, for the players and the coaches before the game. That's awesome. I also do premarital counseling. I've married a bunch of the players, married Westbrook and Dawkins and hmm. uh, Brandon Graham and on and on. So we do premarital. We do marital counseling. Um, yeah, so, so I, I, I'm primarily like the pastor for the players. Yeah. Um, I also partner with a gentleman named Herb Lusk. Uh, Herb actually played uh, for Dick Vermeil. Okay. He was – he actually – I know everybody talks about Tebow. Tebow's my man, but uh, Herb <laughs> Lusk was the first uh, player to to uh, kneel in the end zone after scoring. It wow. wasn't Tebow; it was Herb. Wow! Um, <laughs> and so Herb was asked back in uh, after I, after I was on, he was asked by Andy Reid um, to serve on the chaplain team as well. So he's the chaplain for the coaches, and I'm the chaplain for the players. But we work together as a team. Well, we you know we know that faith. Ha- played a huge part kind of in that Eagles team that had that Super Bowl run in, in 2017. Yeah. You know, you hear the stories of guys getting baptized at the facilities and you hear yeah. Bible studies and, and men of faith, strong men of faith, like, you know, your Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. How, sure. how big a, of a part did that, did these guys, these Christian men and their faith play in that Super Bowl run? Uh, I, I believe it was everything. I believe even before you go there, 
Um, I get asked this question a lot. A lot of people need to understand that, that there has been a culture of faith on that team consistently since the years of Reggie White. Hmm. Um, I know since I've been there for 18 years, I've seen um, the culture of strong spiritual leaders on the team that actually kind of serve as um, watchmen, you know, over, you know, uh, over the team, uh, making sure that spirituality and faith uh, actually plays a relevant part. Um, since I've been there, uh, of course, Troy Vincent was the first leader that I, I remember. Um, literally in the Bible study, I remember a handing a handoff of power where Troy Vincent had a conversation with Brian Dawkins and said, look, man, I'm getting traded. Um, you're the guy now. You, you carry this thing going. Um, I was in that same room when uh, Brian Dawkins had the same conversation that Troy Vincent had with him, except he had that conversation with Jason Avant. Hmm. Um, and he said, look, you're the guy now. I got to go. I was in that same room when Jason Avant had that conversation with Nick Foles. Wow. Um, and, of course, Nick Foles got traded uh, before the season you know, started. So I was on the phone when a guy named uh, Mark Sanchez, who got born again while he was here, wow. called Nick and said, look, man, I've been watching you. I'm ready to take the mantle and continue it on. Hmm. From there, it just exploded to Trey Burton, Jordan Matthews, Brandon Graham, uh, Chris Maragos, uh, Zach Ertz, all of these guys creating a culture. Uh, Nick, of course, Nick Foles. Um, and then Nick gets traded. Like I said, Nick got traded to Jason. Uh, Jason takes the takes the helm. Uh, all these other guys come in, and then we draft Carson Wentz into this amazing culture, mm -hmm. and then it just took off from there. Man, and, and to the point where it began to infiltrate um, the, the coaches. So as you, as you know, even when we won the Super Bowl, you hear all the players were giving God glory, but mm -hmm. then also – Doug Peterson attends the coaches' study yep. um, as well, would come to the chapel services, bring his family like it was church. Um, and, of course, you know, when we won, he also gave honor and glory to his Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So um, I think faith became a has become a stabilizing and unifying culture uh, on the team, uh, where uh, in other places, I think just uh, race, uh, classism, money, uh, can come in and bring a be a divider. Mm -hmm. I think faith uh, brought everyone together. That's phenomenal, and continues to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it was an interview you did with uh, Sports Spectrum. I was listening to. You said how in those early days it was, it was just, uh, you know, it was kind of just the just the guys, and then and then now you see janitors and training staff, and absolutely, and, and it's basically it's an environment in the whole building. It's not it's just inclusive. Yeah, not absolutely. just the players. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, clearly, Pastor Ted, you have a, you have a heart for and a passion for mentoring and seeing yeah. men reach their full potential. Where did sure. this Where did this passion for mentor for mentorship and discipleship come from? Yeah, I, I think I got it from my my father. Like I said, my father's still alive; he's ninety three years old. Um, you know, just just his kind of old school um, desire and heart to see and to make sure I grew up as a man. It's funny, my father's five six. Um, and, and I'm, I'm an early bloomer. I realized my children are early, early bloomers. So by the time I was probably 13, I was five, 10, wow. 13, 14. Um, and I remember my father told me when I was 13 or 14, you're a leader. You're going to be a leader cause you're tall. Uh, cause he was short. Uh, 
guess what? I never grew uh, past that, <laughs> so I'm still 5'10". Wow. I claim 5'10 and a half, <laughs> but it was too late because my dad told me I was a leader. I didn't even know what a leader was, mm-hmm. but he instilled that in me, and um, and just that that passion to speak into men's lives and to call what's in them out started with my dad. It continued with Pastor Lamont. Um, it continued, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Miles Monroe, um, he was a, a mentor of mine after mm-hmm. Pastor Lamont died. Um, then Pastor Lamont, uh, then Miles Monroe passed away. Um, and now there's a gentleman named Matt Keller um, who is, serves kind of as a mentor of mine as well. So, so not only um, is it important to pour into men's lives, but you have to be accountable yourself. Mm-hmm. You always need to have someone that's pouring into your life as well. So mm-hmm. I, I got it from my dad, and, and it's continued from uh, the strong men in my life. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. What does mentorship look like for you guys at, at the family church? Yeah, so so it's funny here at the family church. Um, part of our culture um, is just a revelation um, that that in the Garden of Eden, realizing uh, God didn't make man better, the male man better. He made him responsible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so so that really, uh, even the Bible talks about that there's no other foundation that can be laid than the one that's already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, even at our church, uh, we, we call the men's ministry point men. Um, but then we call the culture of the church, the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually teach a discipleship class once a year. Um, last year it was, we had about 70 men this year. I have about 50 men, um, that I take through every, uh, for seven weeks, we meet Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. It starts promptly at 7. Mm-hmm. Um, on time is early. Early is on time. And late is a sin. <laughs> um, and, and it's just a, a place. Again, it's kind of like the same thing I do with the players, but just um, teaching men uh, that Christ is our foundation, mm-hmm. um, teaching men how to have a, uh, a godly culture to override the, the worldly subculture that we live in and accountability. So, so that's something that we do here at our church. Um, uh, discipleship and accountability is, is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus told us to go and make disciples. And it's also, again, something that, that, that has been continually instilled even in the players. How hard in your experience, how hard is it to get, to get men in the church involved in things like that and to get them kind of out of that so many men you see it especially in the church just kind of in that that rut of yeah. life whether it's career or whatever and and they're just kind of you know skating by they're not doing what god's called them to do or be this leader in their home yeah. that they're supposed to be yeah it's it's tough <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's it's tough to to get men to do that um it, it requires two things one transparency mm-hmm. Um, and then two, uh, Jason wouldn't mind me saying this, but me and Jason Avant used to argue all the time about this one thing. When I met Jason, when he was a young believer, he would always say to me, you know, as a Christian, you know, the greatest form of evangelism is suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, you, Pastor, you got to suffer. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, suffering is, is part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would always tell Jason, the greatest form of evangelism is winning. <laughs> uh Jesus Christ is not my Lord and Savior because he hung on a cross. I thank God that he did, but he's my Lord and Savior because three days mm. later he came back from the dead. Amen. So, so the greatest form of evangelism is when men see other men win. Mm. So when men see men you know, learn, as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, to, to know how to possess your vessel 
and sanctification and an honor to understand how to, how to have a, a real relationship with your wife that's not false or, uh, or, or, or based off of your ability to dominate her. Um, when men see men winning in life, when men see men uh, operating in their gift and not doing something that they feel like they have to do to please people, um, I think that's the greatest form of evangelism. Hmm. And just like as we saw uh, the Bible talked about, there was a man uh, named the rich young ruler. <laughs> you know, he had he had youth, uh, he had money, and he had power. Yet he came to Jesus because he saw Jesus winning. Mm -hmm. He saw the impact and the influence that he was having in life, and he came to him and said, "Yo, man, how do I get down?" So, so I, I believe again transparency and um, being able to use the word of God not in a religious way, but in a practical way that causes you to have victory in your life. Um, when men see it, they want that because yeah. we were created that way. Yeah. So I, I believe it, it draws men and it creates a godly culture. Mm, that's so good. Mm. It, yeah, it's one thing. I think it's one thing for, for men to see that, but for, to actually put it into action, to get these men off the, off the sideline. What does yeah. it take to get those men off the sidelines? Yeah, uh, again, I, I think it, it, it takes for men to see it. Uh, in real time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I think it takes when men know that you love them enough to get in their face mm -hmm. and call them out on their stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. um, model it for them, but then hold them accountable and say, yo, dog, I ain't going nowhere till you get up off your behind yep. and you become the man that you want to be. Hmm. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. Mm -hmm. You kind of touched on it already with your with your father and some other men, but who who, if you can just Say it again. Who are those men, those mentors in your life who helped you? Yeah, become? yeah. So, so, so Frank Winsley, that's my daddy, mm -hmm. uh, 93 years old, World War II vet. It's amazing. Um, it was my first one. Um, then Pastor Lamont McLean, uh, he passed away, like I said, about 11, 12 years ago. He was my, my, he was my, my pastor. He was my spiritual father. Hmm. Um, he, he promised me that he would teach me everything that he knew, and he did. Uh, Miles Monroe, uh, he was an a, a international speaker and a trainer of men. Uh, and then there's a gentleman uh, named Matt Keller uh, out of Florida, uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, he pastors Next Level Church, uh, who, who is now my pastor. And, uh, and I, I submit to him and allow him to hold me accountable. Mm, that's so good. Mm -hmm. how, can, uh, how can, as we wrap up here, Pastor Ted, how can people stay connected to, to Ted and Dawn Winsley and the family church? Can we oh, find, awesome. find you on Instagram and all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. We're on Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook Live, www.thefamilychurchnj.com. You can go on our website. Uh, you can go to Ted and Dawn Winsley on Facebook, or you can go to the Family Church NJ. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, the Family Church and Jay, uh, and you can come on out and visit us uh, here it. at Voorhees, New Jersey, 333 Preston Avenue. Uh, we are 15 minutes from the facility, so they, they, they call. As a matter of fact, uh, Nick Foles uh, used to live right down the street from our church. Uh, they kind of call this area the suburbs of Philly. So we're about 15, 20 minutes from Philadelphia. Awesome. Well, since you didn't, yeah. wear, since you didn't wear the ring today, how about the Men of Iron team come down and visit you in, in Voorhees to get to see that ring in person? Let's go, baby. I'll pull it out. <laughs> I got it here. <laughs> I think we got to set that up. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Ted, for being on the show. It's an honor to have you, man. Awesome. Go, bir it, it, go Birds, right? Go Birds, Men of Honor. Let's go. Men of Iron. Let's men of go. Iron. Love it. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, Pastor Ted. Thank you, sir. All right. 
Man, thank you, Pastor Ted, for just an awesome interview. For more info on the Men of Iron podcast, you can go to menofiron.org backslash podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all the big platforms. You can watch the video version on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you to our special guest again, Pastor Ted, and to our sponsor today, Dish Works. We are out.